Welcome to the Changemaker Connect podcast. My name is Ruth and I run an organisation called In Place of War. We believe that creativity conquers conflict. In this series of podcasts, I'll be speaking to some of the most inspiring people we've partnered with across the globe, so you can hear their incredible stories. Farah Wadani is a Lebanese theatre actress, trainer, clown doctor, puppeteer and applied theatre practitioner. She's a theatre graduate and currently finishing her MA in drama therapy. Farah is the director of Laban, a Lebanese theatre-based NGO. A playback practitioner, trainer, actress, conductor, and faculty member of the ASPT. She leads drama therapy workshops targeting Arab women victims of war. Farah trains and uses theatre of the oppressed, drama therapy, and other techniques with different communities and contexts as a medium for healing, social change, and political activism. Okay, so Farah, welcome to our podcast. How are you? I'm great. Good, good. And obviously, we're, have, we're doing this podcast in the middle of a very challenging global situation. So how's the pandemic been for you? Uh, horrible, <laughs> just like everyone else around the world. It's, it's very heavy and it's very challenging, yet it opened a few doors. Uh, we are managing. Yeah, it, it, has been, it has been incredibly challenging right across the world, hasn't it? For so many, well, for, for most people, I guess. Um, I wanted to I wanted to start kind of with a rewind to go to go back to the beginning and I wanted you to tell me a bit about your your upbringing in in Lebanon and kind of your life your life kind of growing up um I was um, raised in a family well I have a twin sister which is uh very important for me because it impacted my personality a lot I grew with an opportunity to observe how everyone uh, grows into a different person even if they go through the same circumstances it's because of the personal work you do and the life uh, choices you make so having a twin sister was like a, a repair something to go back to every now and then and to evaluate where I am. Uh, I grew in a family that is um, full of women, very powerful women, uh, seven aunts, a grandmother, a very hardworking mom and a twin sister. So a lot of uh, inspirational women uh, in my life. Uh, I grew uh, in a country that was just going out of a civil war that was never closed properly. We lived with the aftermath of a civil war. Uh, the Israeli invasion over the country also shaped my personality, my perception of uh, fairness and peace. And uh, all the challenging circumstances of the country, the political, the economical situation, uh, was very, was very uh, challenging to grow with as a child, as a young person. Uh, all, everything that was happening in the country was very challenging to cope with. But it was also, uh, it was also a gift in a way or another, because I think that uh, if I was uh, born elsewhere, living elsewhere, I would have definitely been a very different person. And so in what way do you think that that shaped you and sort of led you on the path of, of what you do today? Uh, a, a lot of, uh, of anger, a feeling of unfairness, a feeling of uh, that we deserve to live a better life pushed me into a direction to, to try to create this better life for myself and everyone around me and also to the broader community. Uh, being the, the oppressed at, um, at so many levels helped me empathize with other people who are going through probably harder 
conditions that than I am. So uh, uh, as if as if I I was trained <laughs> to to face everything and to be able to deal with uh, very complicated situations. And in terms of you know you've mentioned you've mentioned women uh, playing a huge role, powerful women playing a huge role in your in your life. What? Is what was the situation and, and, and for women in Lebanon, um, and has that has that changed? Have women had a position of, of power, or is that something that's had to be fought for? Um, yeah. De- definitely a lot of improvement happened on that level in the country, especially on the social level. On the political level, change uh, ap- appears to be impossible in the country that is full of corruption and uh, and business. It's not ruled by politics, unfortunately. It's a bunch of businessmen who are very greedy that are governing the country. So on the political and the legal level, uh, the improvement and the change for women is very minimal, yet it's there. Uh, but women definitely have a better uh, situation in the in the economical uh, aspect of the country and in the social uh, aspect of the country. Women are way more empowered now. Uh, they know that they have a strong support system, even um, even with the complicated parts of the political work and the legal work. So women are supported by each other. We have very very successful movements to fight for women's rights, and uh, they are doing a great job. That's amazing. Um, so, in terms of in terms of kind of the world as you see it, and what your what is in your kind of in your in your soul to fight for? What are the main injustices that you you see in the world right now? Wow, that, that's a big question. Um... The the world definitely is an unjust place now to live uh, to live in. It's it's uh, no justice is for for the most vulnerable, for women, for children, uh, for people coming from uh, weaker countries, if that's even a term, from countries like mine and from my region, uh, people who believe in values, people who believe in fairness and uh, and in equity among uh, among human beings. So. Yes, the world is a is a is a horrible place at the moment, but definitely a change will happen sometime. Yeah, and in terms of in terms of the way in which you have decided to to kind of tackle those changes, was there a key moment in your life where you thought, "I really want to dedicate my life to to making change"? Yes. I was 17 years old, just graduated, no, actually 18, just uh, finished my first year uh, at the university studying theater. And uh, the July war, the 2006 July war, the Israeli war over Lebanon took place. And I was living in Beirut at the moment that was considered more more or less a safe uh, a safe uh, place not very safe because the beirut is 16 kilometers square and uh, on the suburbs it was all bombed and uh, and being fired but yet i i had the feeling that i need to do something i'm i don't know how to to fight using weapons and that's not my choice anyway but I have to do something and all I knew back then was doing some theater because that was uh, uh, my my uh, my major at university so I went to where the people who uh, who were displaced from the south and the suburbs of Beirut uh, they were displaced into schools and public places they were there altogether so I went there and I started doing uh, theater exercises for 
children, for women, for whoever was there. So we were just having fun at the beginning. But then we could, uh, I could sense how impactful it was. I could sense that at some moment, uh, someone came with a very horrible news about a family that was from the same village uh, of the people I was uh, at the center with. The whole family was killed. And at that moment, I was playing with the children, doing a very basic theater exercise where you share your name and you express your emotion. And uh, I felt that those kids at the moment were protected due to this uh, theater exercise. So I could see how powerful it was to protect people and also to open a space for people to express and deal with their emotions uh, and, uh, and face uh, what they are going through instead of postponing the grief or the processing of the emotions. And that was it for me. That was the moment of change where I decided to step into the world of psychology and social work and social activism and applying theater tools in these areas uh, to, to support the community. Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. We're going to come on to a, a little bit more about the theatre, your work, in a second. Um, but first of all, I'm going to ask you to select the first track for us to play for you today. Ya um, Osas for Julia Butros. It's a story, uh, it's a song about stories. Okay, amazing. We'll play that now.
Okay, so you're a playback theatre practitioner. So can you explain a little bit more about what playback theatre is and why that's the kind of method of theatre that is your chosen method? Yeah, uh, playback theater is uh, is an art form that was created by Joe Salas and Jonathan Fox. Um, it's an art form where uh, where audience members share real life stories and watch them enacted at the moment, improvised by a group of uh, trained actors and musicians. So in playback, we replay the story, but not the events of the story, rather the human experience, the emotions, the ideas, the, the subtext of the teller in the story. It's a great community building art form, and it's a space for people to express, to share, to listen. It raises the levels of empathy, of acceptance, of uh, connection among audience members. It's, it's a very ritualistic art form. So I, I uh, I'm in love with playback theatre because playback theatre is a very, very powerful tool. It bridges people, and especially in communities that have a lot uh, uh, to build hatred on. It's very good to be able to create bridges for people to connect rather than be uh, apart. Uh, so, uh, and it's a it's a very aesthetic art form. The ritual is very strong. A lot of music, a lot of dancing, a lot of uh, movement that is very uh, that is very soft and smooth and ritualistic. It's very cultural. Uh, so it, it takes from the community, the stories of the community, the arts that are being used in the community. Uh, so this is why I loved it. Sounds, it sounds amazing and it sounds really impactful. Perhaps you could talk a little bit about some examples of, of kind of how you've used playback theatre and also about the responses that you've had from the community. Um, we've used playback theatre over the past 10 years in uh, Laban, um, in different communities. We, we've, we've worked a lot with uh, the Syrian refugee community and the hosting Lebanese community because there is a lot of racism and hate in this community. So uh, we used this powerful tool with these two communities and it, it was very impactful. The levels of empathy and communication were, were definitely uh, uh, changed. We used playback theater for uh, drug addicts at uh, rehabilitation centers for them to be able to witness their stories from a different angle to see uh, how 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 life guided them through this uh, whole addiction um, process and how they can step out of it. We've used playback and um, definitely in uh, in very political uh, situations, speaking about the revolution and the post-revolution, the the election that happened uh, three years ago in Lebanon. We've used playback uh, targeting topics such as uh, racism in general. We've used playback in a very special context that is very special to me and very dear to me, where we engaged the ex-fighters from the Lebanese civil war who were actually fighting, and some of them were... Uh, um, war leaders, if uh, if I may say, and youth witnessing these processes at the same time. And because war is very glorified in our community and uh, defending your belief system through killing the others is, uh, is a very uh, normal act and, uh, and, and, and is also very glorified. So bringing those ex-fighters who are going through a process of... Uh, of healing and maybe changing and maybe sharing uh, real stories from war helped the youth actually see that war 
isn't as uh, sexy and catchy and powerful as it seems. It's mainly about loss and more loss, death and uh, uh, and and very horrific acts instead of something that is very uh, divine and something to look up for. So this were this was a very strong program that we did for the past five years and we are still doing. We also engaged a lot of youth in the enactments of the stories. We heard stories of survivors from the war, uh, also from people who lived the war and were not engaged in the, in the armed conflicts. We used also playback between conflicting areas in Lebanon, small areas, because we have the big civil war that everyone knows about, but we have a lot of mini civil wars, like in Tripoli, the, the capital of the north. Uh, so also bringing people People from this area talking together, connecting together, was very powerful. One of the most powerful programs that we did was using playback theater to fight uh, extremism. So uh, we performed for uh, five or six months in an area that is considered as the pool of ISIS, Daesh. Uh, it's an area where ISIS recruits young men to take them to the war. So we performed there for young men who were recruited by ISIS. Some of them were trained. Some of them actually participated in the Syrian war and also uh, the explosions that happened, the small, uh, the small explosions that happened across Lebanon. We performed for the youth, the young men, for the young women, for the children, for the mothers of those men. And this was a very powerful program. Uh, a few actually three young men who were supposed to leave on the second day to participate in the war in Syria decided to, uh, to dismiss that and uh, to leave their weapon and to, uh, and to go to the, to the army and to deliver themselves and hold themselves accountable because they didn't want their parents, their moms, their loved ones to go through the stories they heard in playback. So playback was actually their inspiration, seeing and hearing the stories of other people who were sharing the very personal experience of losing someone in the war, uh, led them to, to actually drop their weapons. And for me, this is the highlight of our work because we actually saved lives. The lives of those uh, three young men and the lives of those who were to be killed because they were going to participate in the war, not to play music. They were going to actually fight and kill people in the war and joining one of the most uh, uh, scary organisms across the world. ISIS is, is, uh, is a, horrible, uh, uh, a horrible group of people that is, uh, is horrible. Like everyone in the world knows what ISIS is, so we could actually save people from that. For me, this is the highlight of our work. I mean, all of those stories are absolutely so powerful and so inspiring. And it's, it's remarkable, I guess, what you've been able to, to achieve. But also, I guess, the groups that you've been able to work with, which, you know, feel very inaccessible. I mean, I guess that must have taken quite a lot of, of work and negotiation. But the question that kind of occurred to me when you were talking just then is, is why theatre? Why does theatre have this power to have this much impact? What is it for you that... that that makes theatre almost have this kind of magical, magical power to be able to make people think differently, change people's perceptions, um, change people, change people's lives, take people out of situations of extremism. Why does theatre have the capacity to do that? 
For, for so many reasons, one of the most important reasons is because theater is stronger than language. When we, when we speak and when we use language and only language, we are so much in our heads and in our heads we have a lot of judgment. We, have, we carry in our language all the, um, all the leftovers of the previous generations and we, and we repeat them without even thinking or processing what we are saying. So theater brings this embodiment aspects towards language, inside language, and, and your words are no longer just words in, uh, that you are throwing uh, outside of your body. It's actually bringing these words into life. And when you see your words moving on stage, like in playback theater, that's your story that you just shared, your ideas coming to life, you know what you are saying is very powerful, is way stronger than you think, and it invites you to revisit your own belief system, your values. So because theater is wider than, uh, than, than language, because theater also opens space for people to share, to express, uh, and to listen. When you listen to other people and you see that there's a lot of commonalities between us as human beings that are way more than things that, uh, that are differences, uh, automatically people come closer, automatically people are more empathetic and are more connected with the human part of themselves. So listening and triggering emotions because we are like, Human beings are emotional beings. Uh, so when we, we, when we address the mind, and the emotions at the same time, definitely the impact will be more powerful. And because theater is beautiful. And in the world, we lack beauty. We really, really lack beauty. And in our communities, beauty is almost, uh, um, you can't find beauty. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, this is, oh, it's, it's, it is amazing. It has so many different kind of purposes and that the beauty part of it is, is, so, is so important. You're right, in a world that's kind of sort of falling apart around us, just to have that, that moment of beauty is so, is so important and powerful. Um, I'm going to ask you in a moment to talk a bit more about Laban, um, but before I do, I'd like you to select the second track that you'd like to play and explain why you'd like to play that. Um, I choose Sha'arik uh, Dahab for Basil Zayed and, uh, and, and this is a very nice song because uh, it's mainly a love song speaking about a woman wh whose hair is, uh, is golden and I love it because personally I love it because my husband used to play this song for me he's a musician as well and he has a very nice voice uh, but also this uh, this song in itself has a lot of political meaning because it speaks about the occupation of the land and uh, the inability to access your own space okay well let's have a listen Shark, the 
Show. 
Okay, so um, Farah, can you tell me a little bit more about Laban as an organisation? How did you guys come about and what is it that you do kind of in your everyday and how do you work together and who's involved? Uh, Laban started around 12 years ago. Uh, a group of young men and women came together. I wasn't there back then, uh, together to, to do improv theatre. So it started as an improv theatre troupe. And uh, they did improvisational theatre uh, performances. And then they started uh, witnessing and sensing that this improv theatre training is changing them on the personal level. They are more open, they are more flexible, they listen better, uh, they are um, they accept offers from other people because this is what improv theatre is all about, you yes, and the offer of other uh, players to create a, a performance. So, and they could see how much they changed on the, uh, on the personal level and in their social lives. So they started using the training to train other people on the skills in order to help them improve their group dynamic and so on. And then we, they started realizing that this can be used in the social activism uh, world. And they started using it in social activism. This is where, where I joined. And it was a Two, two years later, in 2009, I joined Laban. And uh, from there, Laban started growing. And in Laban, we use uh, theater tools uh, for social activism. So we, engaged in so we engage in uh, social and political activism. We use theater for advocacy, for awareness raising. Uh, we supported campaigns uh, for uh, passing laws, for example, um, criminalizing uh, marital rape and uh, uh, early marriage and a lot of uh, a lot of laws that were passed and we were part of and we are very proud of that so laban now mainly does playback theater improv theater forum theater and other theater of the oppressed tools we we use theater in in the in the training uh, session form in workshops where we use theatre techniques in workshops and we also use it in performances uh, to, to, to achieve the, the change we want to, to achieve. That's, am that's amazing. There's so much there that you guys do. Um, one of the things that I was wondering about is obviously, you know, we talk about this global crisis that we're in right now with COVID and the pandemic. But of course, you know, a lot of the people that we work with around the world have had challenges in their communities. Um, you know, kind of, obviously you guys have had a civil war, you know, there's obviously challenges with the influx of refugees into Lebanon. Um, but then one thing happened during the pandemic that I think shook everybody's world. And this was the blast that you guys had in Lebanon, in Beirut. And I think watching that in the middle of a pandemic reminded everyone that, you know, challenges keep happening, regardless, things don't stop just because we've got a pandemic. Um, the impact, watching the blast from afar, um, I think moved the world. Um, and I just wondered what the impact of the blast was in terms of on, on your organisation, on, on, on everyday lives, and perhaps did you use any of your tools within the organisation to respond to the, the, you know, the aftermath of the blast? Yeah, yeah, very true. This was, uh, this was a very, very, um, very hard moment for everyone across the world, but definitely for, for us in Lebanon. It cannot be put into words, unfortunately. Uh, the 4th of August explosion 
a few days after the explosion, actually a very beautiful initiative from theater makers in Lebanon that we were part of uh, started. It was uh, a support uh, program for other theater makers and uh, theater spaces because a lot was uh, damaged, including our studio. Uh, our studio was, uh, was uh, also affected by the explosion and uh, due to this uh, beautiful collaboration among theater makers, we could rehabilitate the space. A few weeks later, we received a very generous uh, support from Roland. Uh, a lot of uh, technical equipment that actually helped us uh, rebuild our love towards that studio. And uh, we responded to the blast. Our team members went on, on the ground immediately, a few hours after the blast, to help remove the, the rubbles, to help the wounded and uh, so on. But a few days later, we started also an initiative in uh, supporting other playbackers in Lebanon and theater makers uh, uh, also with their, with their support. And we invited international playback theater practitioners to perform for the Lebanese playback theater community for them to create uh, a space to express. Uh, after a month, we started a new uh, initiative that we called on the shore of the poor because it's where the uh, the explosion took place and we offered free playback performances for uh, groups, organizations and uh, groups who were involved in the rehabilitation and rescue uh, programs and also organizations, partner organizations whom their teams were responding to the blast uh, aftermath uh, and they needed to be supported. So we offered them playback performances to, to speak, to interact, to express and to hear them. And now, in October, in October 2020, we, we launched a huge project that is a one-year project that is still running at the moment uh, for one of the affected areas by the explosion. It's the Carantina. It's a, it's a forgotten area that was always forgotten. And, um, and now we are opening the space for the Carantina people to share stories in playback performances, to actually engage in theater activities and in the drama therapy programs for the youth and the children in order to, uh, to collect all this outcome in a book, in a memorial and in a movie uh, to honor the stories of the people of Carantina. Wow, that's amazing. They're so amazing. It's, I think it really inspired me how much people, you know, people responded, organisations responded just by kind of getting out there and helping to rebuild and, and kind of, you know, bring the, bring the city back to, to how it was. So it was, it was remarkable to watch that from afar. Um, I think it'd be interesting to know how people can connect to and engage with the work of Laban from outside of Lebanon. From outside of Lebanon, actually, uh, also this after the explosion, uh, we did an online performance because due to the pandemic, we realized that online performances can actually access people across the world. And especially the Lebanese diaspora, which is almost uh, more than half of the Lebanese uh, community lives abroad. So we did a performance for the Lebanese diaspora because Lebanese diaspora were feeling uh, a guilt feeling that they were not here to, to survive this blast. That's a very complicated emotion, but it's real, it's there. So they needed to speak about it, but they always felt that uh, there is, this is not the time for them to speak. They are safe 
at least they are alive. So uh, we actually reached out to them through a, a partner organization in the, new, in the USA called Dhamme, Dhamme for Humanity. And uh, we did a performance for the Lebanese diaspora to express their emotions about the, the explosion. And then this created a beautiful uh, collaboration where we did two other performances also for Lebanese people live, living across the world, uh, purely online, and it was very nice. Uh, I have a very uh, beautiful story that I don't know why it came to my mind now about our work. Uh, on the 17th of October, the, the Lebanese revolution started. And a few days after the revolution, uh, a closed theater, which is the opera house of Beirut that is closed because the the mafia governing us decided to close it, uh, was taken by the people and it was opened. And we were there. Uh, most of the team members were there taking part of the revolution. And when we were there, a woman passed and she said, you are the theater people, I know you. And we said, yes. And then she said, thank you. And we didn't know why, why she is saying thank you. And she said, thank you because you caused this and she uh, moved her fingers uh, meaning the revolution and we were shocked like we caused a revolution and I told her we, why why do you think that we caused this and she said because in your performances over the past years uh, you taught us that we have we have a voice and we must be heard and we deserve to be heard and here we are on the streets and this was very emotional for uh, for us all and for me specifically. <laughs> That's such a beautiful story. That's amazing. It's amazing to have that impact. And it must be amazing to hear people say that to you, that you have given them that kind of opportunity to kind of find within themselves the power to be able to go out and to be activists or to have a voice and to have that kind of sense of agency and power. So it's, it's, it's amazing. The work you do is, is so inspiring. It's so incredible. I'm going to ask you a question now that is huge. You may take some time, I guess, to, to kind of answer it. But if you think about the next five to 10 years, what is the main change you want to see specifically in Lebanon? And what will be your role in that change? Um, what I wish or I realistically think that will happen. I mean, I think maybe, maybe a balance between the two, okay. I guess. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I think by... 10 years, hopefully we will have a lot of change on the political level and maybe we will be able to get rid of this governing uh, group that we have in the country and we will have uh, more youth voicing their needs and taking the, the leadership of the country. I think... Uh, I think in 10 years, theatre will take more space. People will become more uh, um, more aware of their rights and, uh, uh, and be fighting for it and be actually holding those who are responsible accountable for their acts and uh, maybe be less of the blind followers they are at the moment. Um, I hope that uh, by then Laban would be just enjoying this change just like everyone else, uh, maybe working on, on things that are less, uh, less critical, less uh, hard, less complicated, maybe working on education, work, working on uh, citizenship, on concepts that are uh, more more social than uh, than uh, political and so 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 extreme and so hard hopefully that's amazing that's amazing okay so i'm going to i'm going to ask you a few kind of like quick 
fire questions now, uh, just to kind of end this amazing interview. Um, so can you tell me a person that is your role model in the world and why? Um, well, if I want to speak generally in the world, it's, uh, it's Augusto Boal, the Brazilian uh, theatre activist, because he actually used his theatre and created a lot of uh, change in his community and across the world, because we are using his tools. And, uh, and I really admire his writings and his philosophy. So it's Augusto Boal. But I have another person who is a role model for me, actually. Which is, okay. which is my husband, because my husband as a person uh, went through a huge process of change that is remarkable. And I think if any other person, uh, uh, if everyone are so flexible to change within themselves as much as he did and to embody change, not only preach about change, the world would be definitely a better place. That's really beautiful. That's amazing. Um, what do you do when you're not changing the world? Well, uh, I am a mom of two, uh, so uh, I, I am uh, I'm taking care of my children. I'm a clown doctor. I'm a puppeteer. I'm a drama therapist, so I use drama therapy in um, in context where I work with women who were affected by war. So uh, technically, giving it a second thought, I'm a full time changing the world. Even by being a mom, I'm changing <laughs> yeah. the world. Absolutely. Um, can you say three words that summarize the work that you do, that, that summarize you and the work that you do? Um, determination, definitely. Uh, theatre and, uh, and presence. Presence in terms of availability, being present in the here and now. Amazing. Um, if you could say something to a person who represents everything that you stand against, what would it be? Oof. Uh, we will beat you. Together, we will beat you. Our battle, our battle is not over. Amazing. Um, is there a quote that you guide your life by? Yes. Um, there's this beautiful quote by uh, Saadallah Wannous, a Syrian writer on the International Day for uh, Theatre, where he said, uh, we are ruled by hope. And what is happening today cannot be the end of history. Amazing. And the final thing is, could you mention a change maker that is interesting to you around the world? I guess someone who's doing something similar to you, using the arts to make change. Well, uh, an Egyptian poet called Ahmed Fuad Najm, he, he, he didn't do theater at all, but he did uh, poetry, uh, is an inspirational change maker. Amazing. Okay, well, thank you so much, Farah, for this incredible interview. It's so amazing to find out more about the role of theater and the situation in Lebanon and how you're kind of actively involved in making change. I'm going to ask you now to choose your third and final track. Shayid Usurak al Sheikh Imam, and it's actually written by Ahmed Fuad Najm. Thank you so much, Farah, for joining us today. Thank you. Yeah.
شايد قصورك على المزارع من كدينا وعمل ايدينا والغمارات جنب المصانع والسجن مطرح الجنينه والغمارات جنب المصانع والسجن مطرح الجنينه وتلقينا بك في الشوارع Thank you so much for listening and if you've enjoyed our podcast, please like and subscribe.